This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Today we kind of wrap up this four-week series on Elijah, and I think today is very important. Uh, it's very much needed, and it's, it's typically not the preaching style that maybe you're used to hearing from me, but it's more of a teaching moment today. But we're going to be looking at uh, a very important aspect of Elijah's life that he kind of went through, and God, God kind of helped him overcome. If you have your Bibles, turn with them to me to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to talk about the uh, depression in, in, in his life. Because Elijah went through some moments of great triumph, of great of victories, but he also had moments where maybe he thought it was the end. And I want to kind of talk to you just for a few moments on how he got there. And then I want to talk to you for a few, minutes, for a few moments on how God helped him overcome. But we're talking about a man who had one of the greatest wins of all time on Mount Carmel when he showed up. And there was 850 prophets speaking to this Baal. And, and Elijah comes in, throws himself out there and says that I know my God's real. So I'm going to risk my own life and stand up in the face of all of these people that oppose the one true living God. And I'm going to stand up for what I know is right. And I'm going to say, let's have a showdown and let's have a battle. And whichever God wins, he is God. And so we all know that Elijah went in and he did that. And we start here in 1 Kings 19. So I kind of want to give you kind of a heads up on where we were and kind of and now where, where we're going today. 1 Kings 19, starting in verse 1, here's what the scripture says. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Now let's backtrack for a moment. You'll remember what we're talking about. You'll remember Ahab was this evil king. He was evil, and it was the 19th consecutive evil king that they saw. And Scripture tells us that he had done more evil in the eyes of God than any of those before him. Now, he had become a kind, kind of an afterthought at this moment because he got to that place where he said, you know, I, I just don't know what to do in, in, anymore, so I'm going to give this over to my wife. I'm going to let her kind of take charge. And, 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 so, and he, begins to tell king, or he begins to tell his wife everything that he had done. And so now a Jezebel takes over. And we see what she does in verse 2 when you see, so she sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life that of one of them. And this statement, she's re she, she is referring to all those that had died, all those that had lost their, their life. She's throwing herself out there, and maybe even just a little bit too harshly because she's saying, let the gods deal with me if I don't do this. So she wants Elijah dead. She says, you're going to be a dead man of God by tomorrow. And so the first part of chapter 19, verse 3 says, Elijah was what? He was afraid. He was afraid. And what did he do? He ran for his life. He was afraid and th this, to me, confuses me so much because we just talked about a man who saw all those miracles, who saw all those good things happen. 
And, and if, we kinda, if you've kind of missed the past few weeks, let me just kind of recap. You have Elijah who's heard from God. And week number one, we, 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 we saw that he went to the king and said that there will be no more rain. You have gone away from God. You've not done what, what God wants you to do. So there will be a drought in this land. So what happens? They want him dead. So God takes him to the Kareth Ravine. Where the, where, the word, where, where the word careth means to cut down. It means to chop. It means to humble. And in that ravine, God miraculously provided for him. While the king's trying to kill him, God sends ravens that drop meat and bread. Thank God for meat and bread, right? Okay, so. And then, here's his brook that never dries up. So he's got all of these things that he needs. But then all of a sudden, the, the brook no, 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 no longer has any more water. So, what does God do? He takes Elijah, and he takes him somewhere else where he meets this, this girl who, who has a son. She has a little bit of oil, just a little bit of, of, of a flour, but it wasn't enough. She thought she was going to die, but what happened? God miraculously multiplied. So, Elijah has seen miracle after miracle after miracle, and then what happens? Her son dies. Well, then he says, no, that's not, I, I know that's not what God wants. I'm going to take him up to this room, and I'm going to stretch out across him, and I'm going to pray for him. And what happens? He prays, and he comes to life. So why is it? What in the world would cause Elijah to be a man who was scared and would run for his life after he had just saw many, many times where God provided for him? Elijah's looking at everything that's happened at this point and says, God, you are good. God, you're awesome. Every step of the way you have provided for me. And then what happens? After this season of hiding, he comes back out where there's been, no, where there's been this drought, there's been no rain, and God calls Elijah back to go confront the king, and he says, bring your false prophets. He draws the showdown, and God wins. And what happens? He goes up onto the mountain. Once again, miracle after miracle after miracle. And seven times he prayed for it to rain because he was consistent. He was persistent. He never stopped praying over what he knew God wanted for him. He prayed seven times. The servant went back and saw the cloud the size of a what? A man's hand. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to get scared and worried about a cloud the size of a man's hand. If we walk outside right now and the weather and, 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 and uh, the weather does call for some rain today, but if I walk outside and see a cloud the size of a man's hand, what's my thought? Oh, it ain't going to do nothing. Right? Or if it rains, it's just going to rain in this little one spot. And I'm going to be like, really? Okay, so it's a cloud the size of a man's hand. But here's what Elijah did. He knew what God had said. He knew that his God was a miracle-working God, and he knew what he heard. So when he saw the cloud begin to form, even though it was the size of a man's hand, he said, you better go tell King Ahab to get his horse and to get ready and go because it's about to come a storm. So it rains. But then after all of that, Ahab gets back, tells his wife what all has happened. She sends out and wanting him dead. Now all of a sudden, Elijah's afraid and runs for his life. Today I want to talk to you about four easy ways to get depressed, to get down and out, to get sad. But then I want to talk to you about four more ways to overcome that. If you look at the, the latter part of verse number 3, through the first part of verse number 5, here's what the scripture says. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant 
there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat, on, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. Interesting, though, he had just had a great win. And now all of a sudden he's wishing that he be dead. He, he, I've, I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. How do you get depressed? If you want to get depressed this morning, let me tell you how he got there. Number one, wear yourself out. Wear yourself out. Have you ever been there where you've just been exhausted? Where you've done so much, where you've just been tired, where you've just like, I can't do anything else. Wear yourself out. If you notice, over the past few years, Elijah had been on this massive spiritual battle, trusting God, praying, trusting God, praying, seeking God, praying, trusting God, battle, faith, battle, faith. And it's over and over and over and over. And he's in this war room and he gets tired and he gets exhausted. And when we get to that moment where we feel tired and exhausted, that's when the enemy likes to creep in. And that's when he likes to attack and says, well, you know, God may might have come through for you then, but you know, he might not. And that's what the enemy likes to stir inside your mind. So Elijah is exhausted. He's tired. And what does he do? If you look at where he ran to, okay, he could not have run any farther than he did. The place that he ran was at the very southern tip. And he leaves his friend, the servants, and then runs another day's journey. He ran as far away as he could from his problem. I don't know about you, but I've learned sometimes the hard way that if I run away from my problem, it just gets worse. It magnifies. Instead, I should run to the source of the one who can answer that problem. That's who I'm supposed to run to. But Elijah, he ran as far away as he could. Will you wonder this morning, Pastor, how, how does that apply to me? How can I get so depressed? How can I relate this? Well, you've, you might have been like me in seasons of your life where you've worn yourself out. You might be working a job, taking care of the house, putting a dinner on the table, carting the kids all over the world, involved in their school, involved in church, and you're wondering why you're tired. Some of you, it's the moms and dads, you're, you're like me, who run all over the state to take their kids to a ball games and then have this expectation when you get home that groceries have to be bought. You actually have to cook those uh, groceries. That laundry that's sitting over in the corner of the house, it's got to get done. And it's never a time of rest. You never get that sense of, I need to just sit down because and what happens is you get so exhausted and it's real easy to sit down and instead of looking at all the wins that happened that that a day instead you look at everything you haven't had time to do that week or what you've got left to do next week have any has anybody else besides me been there where you feel overwhelmed you're over i'm guilty of this so guilty of of, of this and we do it and, here, and here's what happens. We don't realize we're doing it until we're in it, and it's possibly too late. I shared this this morning because I know how it feels. Because I've been there. We run all the time. Go to bed late, wake up early, practice Monday, game Tuesday, church Wednesday, meetings Thursday, another game Friday, birthday parties on Saturday, church on Sunday, and we're never home. And then before you look at it, you look back and you... And you realize I've not had a decent night's sleep. 
that I've not had a decent home-cooked meal in a week because I'm always gone, I'm always doing something, and all of that piles on and, and brings about stress inside your life, which is very unhealthy. If you want to get depressed, do what Elijah did. Wear yourself out and don't seek the source of the one who can, who can actually uh, make it better. Number two thing that Elijah did is he shut people out. I want you to look at what the word says. He it did exactly that. He abandoned his closest friend, his servant. He said in that second part of, 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 of verse number three, he said, you stay here and I'm going on. And quite honestly, if I'm real with you this morning, that's what a lot of us do when we get overwhelmed. We're, I'm not going to let you in. I'm not going to tell you what I'm going through. If I did, you wouldn't understand anyway. So we put up this wall and we start to push people away. We have them at arm's length and we never let them get right here. We keep them out, outside so, so that we, we don't have anybody to confide in. We don't have anybody to talk to. And that's what Elijah did. And I want to be transparent this morning because here's what unhealthy leaders do. Let me go even farther and say that it's what unhealthy pastors do. Well, I want my church to think that I'm superhuman and that I'm perfect and that I never mess up. And, and, and I, I don't have anything in my life. that, And so I'm not going to share with them anything that I go through because I don't want them to think any less of me. That's what we do. And even on a, a different level, you at work, well, I'm not going to let my coworkers know what I'm going through because I don't want to let them in on my business. But let me tell you something. Elijah shut people out. And it, did, it didn't do any good for him. It didn't do any good for him. Why do you think I'm so transparent behind this pulpit? Why do you think I share every little detail about my life? Because I don't want anybody in this room to think that I have it all put together. I want you to know I'm human just like you. And I struggle just like you. And I have to get on my knees and pray just like you. I do not want to elevate myself to a point where somebody thinks that I'm perfect because guess what? I'm not. Elijah shut people out. And when we shut people out, we very well could be pushing away the person who might just have an answer. What else did he do? Number three, he focused and put all of his attention on the negative. Always thought about the negative. I was just talking to somebody this morning and the healing process that they're going through. And the doctors have just said, man, this is great. This is good. You're, you're over-exceeding everything that we thought you'd do. But let me, you know why? It's because she's been positive about everything. Well, my God's been with me the whole step of the way. My God's been with me, walked in with my hands side by side. And I'm just telling you, glory be to God. That I, and it, it's because of the positive attitude of why this healing. It's almost as if that, that mindset is a healing agent inside of us. That if we stay positive about the situation around us, that it acts, then, then we might even be able to heal quicker than what the doctors think that we should. If you want to be depressed, focus on the negative. That's exactly what Elijah did. Look, look what Elijah did in the last part of, 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 of verse 4 here. He said, I've had enough. What's he say? I'm no better than my ancestors. He started to compare himself with other people. He said, I'm no better than my ancestors. And what's funny about this is nobody was asking if he was. 
I mean, look at it. Nobody was asking him if he was any greater than anybody else, but he had a self-pity party where he said, I'm just no good anymore. I'm no greater than my ancestors. I'm telling you, I'm just, I'm not going to be any good. I'm, I'm stuck in this life. It's not going to get any better. Uh, I, I just, I'm not going to get the promotion. My kids are never going to come to Christ. I mean, that ice cream, I just ate. My pants are never going to fit right. And we do that, Right? We exaggerate everything because of a, a pity party that we throw ourselves. And that's what Elijah did. He said, I'm no better than my ancestors. Nothing good comes from being negative. You want to be depressed? Wear yourself out. Shut other people out of your life. Focus on the negative. Don't let them in. Number four, just forget that God even exists. Because let me tell you what Elijah did. He did exactly what many of us do. Imagine this, okay? Imagine you're Elijah and all you've ever seen in your life is supernatural protection. It's supernatural where God provided everything that you've birds feeding him from the air. I mean, come on, really? You've seen that and you're worried about this? You've had a drought come in your land, and all of a sudden God takes you somewhere where it's the only lake in all of the area that has any water. And you think that God hasn't provided for you, for you? He forgot it all. He got so tired and so exhausted that he didn't realize the provision that was right in front of his eyes. <laughs> Wear yourself out. Shut people out. Focus on the negative. Forget that God's there. Those are the things that Elijah did. And when he got the news that a Jezebel wanted him dead, all of these problems compounded at once. And he ran for his life, scared that he might die. His greatest fear was death. If you read into scripture, that was his greatest fear, that he would die. But if you continue to look at the scripture today, what you're going to find is what I call God's medicine for when you're depressed. Elijah didn't think he had any hope. He's hiding, wanting to die. And I want you to notice God sends him an angel to represent God. And I want you to notice what God does not do through this angel. He doesn't preach to him. He, he don't give him a message. He doesn't shame him for what he's done. There's no rebuke. There's no sermon. The angel's not saying, oh, if you only had more faith. You might just get through. If you'd only mem memorized a couple more scriptures, you, if you just quoted the verses and quit acting like a baby, that's not what the angel did. Here's what the angel did. He said, all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Because the first thing, if you're taking notes today, if you want to overcome a depression, you need to rest. You need to rest. You need to rest. The very first part of this verse, all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And then in verse 6, here's what the Bible says. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals. 
and a jar of water. He ate and drank. And then what happened? Then he laid down again. I just love the way how God provides food. I love food. It's great. God provides it. I love the fact that I can share this story with you this morning. It's not myself, but I was reading a story about another pastor. And the story that I read was him taking the time to talk with a counselor because nobody should ever be embarrassed about talking with a counselor. I believe it's just another avenue that God can speak to the wisdom and knowledge of somebody else. So this pastor was honest about the situation, and he went and he been, and he went to talk to a counselor. And, and what the counselor told him was said, was said, Sir, I really need you to acknowledge the fact that you're in the early stages of a burnout. And when he heard those words, he was kind of like, Well, you know, whatever the reality is, it doesn't matter because I've got to do this stuff for God. I've got to take care of this for my church. I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and I've got to make sure they're taken care of, and the church has what they need. And, 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 and he, but, but the counselor said, but you don't understand, sir. You need some substantial time off. Your pace, your rhythm is too much. Well, I understand that, man, but you just don't understand. I've got to make sure that we've got all the way that we're, that we're provided for. And that he began to go through a list of things that they needed. And the counselor said something to him that has really impacted the way that I think. He said the most spiritual thing you can do is rest. The most spiritual thing you can do in this moment is rest. You see, some of, one of the most spiritual things that you can do at home is not to read another Bible verse. The most spiritual thing you can do is rest. It's not to go to another meeting. It's not to do it. It's to rest. You see, but, and one of the commands that we disobey so many times is to honor the Sabbath, a day of rest. And you're probably thinking like me, because it's real quiet in here right now, you're thinking the same thing that I, I, I am. Well, Pastor, but you don't understand. The dishes have to get done. The laundry has to get done. I've got to go. I've got to do that. I just, I don't have any time to take rest. Let me tell you something. For your spiritual well-being, you can. I'm sitting here trying to tell you right now, I've got a basket of laundry in my house that I need to fold this afternoon. But I might go home and rest. I'm just being honest right now because let me tell you something. Guess what will be there tomorrow? That laundry basket. And if for my spiritual well-being I need to go home and take a little nap, then you better believe I'm going to go home and I'm going to take Because it's spiritual. The Bible said he, the angel didn't come to him. And with this sermon, he said, eat and rest. Eat and rest. I know the yard has to get mowed. I know things have to get done. But it's okay to sometimes say no. If you read on verse 7 and 8, the angel Lord comes back to him a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate, and drank. Now I want you to check this out though because now he's eaten and now he's rested. Now he's been nourished and check out what happens. Strengthened by that food. <laughs> Strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God, It gave him the energy that he needed to do what God wanted him to do. We quit ministries and we quit serving and we quit doing all these things because we feel tired. And I get it. I've been there too. 
if you'll take a step back, if you'll eat just a little bit, if you'll rest just a little bit, and then the problem is we stay there. Don't just stay there, but get back in the fight. Because once God gives you the energy and the passion again, it's time to move forward. Now this is the same mountain where most scholars believe that God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. So here's what God, here's what this angel, God is speaking through this angel to Elijah. He's saying, eat and rest and go to church. Eat, rest, and go to the place where God will speak to you. And if that's not any truth for us to take this morning, I could stop, I could pray, we could have altar call right now and our lives be changed. Because if we could just get the concept of eating, of resting, and listening to God, we can accomplish so much more. We're, he says eat and rest. The second thing, if we're taking notes, this medicine to a depressed life is for God to replace your, his, your lie with His truth. For God to replace your lie with his truth. And this is going to speak to some today. Because I want you to look at verse number 9 and, 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 and 10. Here's what the scripture says. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing there Elijah? Now let's just pause and acknowledge that God already knew what he was doing. God already knew what Elijah was doing. He, God's not out there going, hmm. I wonder what Elijah's doing right now. Let me do some work and just see what he's doing. God knew what he was doing. What he wanted Elijah to do was to verbalize his problem. He wanted to acknowledge that he was tired. He wanted him to, not, to acknowledge that he needed rest. He wanted to acknowledge that, that, that he, want, he wanted Elijah to acknowledge that he had a problem. He says, what are you doing? Verse number 10, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. And God's sitting there like, yep, true. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. Yep, true. They've torn down your altars. Yep, that's another true. And put your prophets to death with the sword. Also true. I am the only one left. False. And now they're trying to kill me too. I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me. I'm the only one who cares. I'm the only one who's doing the work. I'm the only one that can, that can get it done. False, false, false. God needed him to recognize his problem. Because Elijah thought he was the only one that could do it. And if you read through the scripture, later on you'll see that, well, there's actually 7,000 others who have not bowed down to false gods. You're not the only one. So get this out of your mind that you're the only one can do it. That you're the only one that cares. There's other people that can help you through it. You don't have to walk through life all by yourself. You don't have to, 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 to just panic all the time because you feel like nobody's there. There's 7,000 other people out there that care and that love about you. 7,000. You're not the only one. And I can only imagine this morning, church, what God is saying to us right now. Well, I've got that medical bill. And you don't think God can take care of it? Well, they've given me this long to, to live. I've got cancer. And you don't think that my God heals? My kids aren't going to ever be in church. And you think that's too big for him? <laughs> this is what he's saying. Give your problems to me and watch me take care of it. 
Well, I'm never going to have a relationship. I'm stuck in this dead-end job. I've got no ministry. My husband's never going to accept Christ. And what's, what's the Bible say? Take every thought captive and make it what? Obedient to Christ. My God, church, Southern Hills, my God can do anything. There is nothing that my God cannot do. Do you believe that this morning? Where are you right now? You sad? You depressed? You, you feeling just a little blue? There's 7,000 others out there that care about you too. Number three. He says eat and rest. Replace the lie with his truth. Number three. Listen to God speak. And he often speaks in a still, small voice. Now you have to remember who Elijah's you know, dealing with here. He's, he's dealing with the God that, that brought miraculous provision. Everything that God had done through Elijah was this major, massive outpouring of God's love. So I guess in this moment, Elijah's just expecting another great, massive awakening here. When, we're in, when in the reality it doesn't happen, check out what the scripture says. In verse number 11 and 12, the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. So he's getting ready. He's saying, finally, okay, I'm about to receive my answer. God's about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart. Oh, this is God, right? But the scripture says, but the Lord was not in the wind. Well, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. Oh, I know this is God, right? Because he's already brought that before. But what's it say? But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came what? A gentle whisper, a still, small voice. Because sometimes when we are the lowest, God seems to speak the softest. Why do you think God whispers? Why do you think God whispers? Because he doesn't have to yell if he's right next to us. I need you to catch that thought. Why would he have to yell at me if he's walking with me through my problems? He can say, Seth, I've got it. I'm right there. Don't worry about it. You see, he can whisper because he's close by. He's never left us. And he'll always be there. The same, the God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever is the God that's going to walk with us hand in hand through every problem. That's why he, see, he speaks in a still, small voice. Because he's walking close by to us. So to overcome this, these moments of depression, sadness, sometime the most spiritual thing you can do is rest. Oftentimes we have to capture those lies and replace them with truth. Listen to God speaking that still, small voice. And then number four. We're going to close in just a moment. Give me about ten minutes. For taking notes, number four, 
God will give us our divine assignment. Look what happens to Elijah. Verse number 15 and 16. This is so important. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. And go to the desert of, 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 of Damascus when you get there. Anoint Hazel king over Aram. Anoint Jehu the son of Nimshi king over Israel. And anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel Meloah to exceed you as prophet. In other words, go back to doing what prophets do. He's saying you've spent too much time away not doing what I've called you to do. Go back to doing what prophets do. Go back to doing what believe in the Spirit. Believe that the Spirit of the Lord will speak to you today and say there's something yet for you to do. You feel down this morning. You feel blue. You feel hopeless. You feel afraid. You're unsure. You've lost your confidence. You don't see it. And God is saying to you, if you're still alive, and if you still have breath inside your body, there's something yet for you to do. Well, I'm not a prophet, Pastor. I'm just a mom. Then go back to doing what moms do. I'm a business leader, then go back to doing what business leaders do. Well, I'm just a prayer warrior, then get back in your prayer closet and get back on your knees and start praying to God. Go back to doing what God's called you to do. And just watch as He brings life back out of you. Just go back to doing what God has called you to do. You're not done. I want you to check this out as we close, though. God gave him this gift, right? God, if we can have some music softly, softly playing. God gave him this gift. God gave him somebody that believed in him. God gave Elijah an encourager. He gave him Elisha. Somebody that Elijah could pour into. Somebody that Elijah could, could pass on everything that he's learned from God over to this other guy. God gave him a special gift, somebody for him to mentor. And Elisha's coming in saying, man, if there's anything I could have, and let's just be honest now, we're just talking. Man, if I could just have double what you've got. Here's what Elijah says. Well, I'll tell you what. If you just hang around me long enough, when I'm gone, you can have it. Now think about this. What did Elijah fear the most? We've already talked about this. He feared death. He feared dying. Jezebel was after him to kill him. His greatest fear, death, was something he never experienced. One of only two people that walked into heaven. Because the reality is for many of us today, the number one thing that consumes you, your greatest fear, your largest what if that you have in your life, you'll never experience that because God will lift you above it. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that that happens to everybody because there's many of us too. Because Jesus says in this world, you will have a trouble. Okay? But then he says, but take heart. Why does he say take heart? 
He said, for I have overcome the world. Even if your greatest what if does come to pass, God's still more than enough. I find it so comforting to seeing a man, Elijah, at the top of the world and at the bottom because really in reality it's a reflection of how you and you, you and, 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 and I live. We have moments of great joy and we have moments of great sadness. Remember, when James was talking about Elijah, how did he start off the verse? He's just human, just like many of us. He's proving that just like me and you, we have our high moments and we have our low. But in the high, we trust God. And in the low, we trust God. Because He's more than enough. My prayer for you today and as we close, that His Spirit would speak to you exactly what you need. I don't know what it is. But I pray that God speak to you.